Hello, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexandra Ingler. So, this is a bonus episode of the podcast, but we wanted to take a second and try something new. I recently wrote a feature on something called Mocha. Don't worry, I'm going to get to it in a second and explain what it is and what you need to know about it. But I just wanted to give some insights on what we're trying today. So we put a lot of work into our incredible content that we create for the website, for this podcast, for all of our various mediums. And one way we want to try engaging a little bit more is reading our features on this podcast. Obviously, we know audiobooks are popular for a reason, so we, we're going to give it a go here. Follow along, and if you enjoyed this, let me know. We can certainly experiment with it on future bonus episodes. But without further ado, I will go ahead and get into Mokra. So major change is coming to beauty regulation. Is the industry ready for it? Well, we'll find out. In late December of last year, a bill passed in Congress implementing a massive and long overdue update to the FDA's regulatory oversight in the beauty industry. So if you don't know, the FDA is the federal agency that monitors supplements, drugs, food, and yes, cosmetics. However, for a decade, they've had little legal authority to do much of anything. In fact, the last law that was passed in regards to regulating the beauty industry was in 1938, when the section in which they talked about cosmetics was all of one and a half pages. Well, 80-some years later, change is coming in the form of the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulation Act, or MOCRA for short. Sweeping updates will mean that the beauty industry better aligns itself with supplement manufacturers and even closer with the EU, which is often held up as this gold standard for cosmetic regulations. Now, for the most part, Mocha hasn't received much broad media attention. However, for trade websites, regulatory publications, and legal blogs, it is becoming something about trending topic as, you know, people start to discuss what this actually means in practice. According to my sources, there is still a lot we don't know about what changes the act will actually bring about. But in the meantime, brands are quietly preparing for these new regulations to be enacted over the course of the next several months and years. But from what we do know, there are important areas where it grants the FDA much-needed jurisdiction and it is a step in the right direction. But let's talk about what that means for you, the beauty consumer. The first thing I will note is that the FDA never had the authority for product recalls, but now they do. Over the last few years, there have been several notable recalls in the beauty industry. For example, there were two big recalls of dry shampoos in recent memory. In 2022, Unilever recalled 19 dry shampoos because of a possible benzene contamination. So benzenine is a group A human carcinogen, according to the Environmental Protection Agency. A year before that, in 2021, Procter & Gamble recalled 32 dry hair products because of a similar contamination issue. And in the same vein, sprayable sunscreens is another hot topic. Several major beauty conglomerates have issued recalls due to contamination 
from Banana Boat, Unilever, P&G, and Johnson & Johnson. What is really shocking about all these recalls is that they were voluntary. Why? Well, up until now, the FDA did not have the power to implement recalls in cosmetic products, meaning it was up to the goodwill of the company to recall potentially unsafe or contaminated products. Under MOCRA, the FDA will actually have the power to do it itself. The next thing I want to talk about is that the FDA will now have an eye on manufacturers and formulas for consumer safety. Here's what Mia Davis, the Vice President of Sustainability and Impact at Credo Beauty, told me about it. Quote, the FDA didn't know exactly who, where, or how cosmetic products were made, imported, or sold. Under MOCRA, contract manufacturers must register with the FDA and report products and ingredients. These are important, basic consumer protections, end quote. So what this means is that contract manufacturers or the factories that make cosmetic formulas for the brands to then package, market, and sell have to now register with the FDA and adhere to good manufacturing practices, which is something that the drug and supplement market already does. Brands also have to register their formulas with the FDA, providing safety substantiation for ingredients and formulas. This moves the FDA closer to the EU where formulas aren't assumed safe. Now they have to be shown to be so with the burden of the proof on the brand itself. Here is what cosmetic chemist Krupa Coastline, the founder of KKT Consultants, told me about it. Quote, the FDA is now requiring brands to carry safety substantiation for their products. This means each cosmetic needs to be tested to ensure it is safe to use. I am sure many consumers think this happens already, which it does in larger organizations who have the budget for it. But since it is an added cost, smaller brands used to forego this extremely critical step, end quote. Here's another area where the FDA now actually has some oversight. Did you know that beauty companies never had to report adverse events to the FDA? Well, that is changing. Mandatory adverse event reporting is something that the supplement industry already has in place, and now cosmetic industries have to follow suit. So essentially, this means that companies have to report adverse reactions within 15 days of being notified by a consumer. Prior to this, reporting anything to the FDA was entirely voluntary, even keeping record of it was. Now, how the FDA defines adverse events is a fairly high threshold. I'll read it for you. A serious adverse event is defined as an adverse health-related event associated with the use of a cosmetic product that results in death, a life-threatening experience, inpatient hospitalization, a persistent or significant disability or incapacity, a congenital abnormality or birth defect, an infection, or significant disfigurement, end quote. That's to say, finding a face cream slightly irritating for your particular skin type doesn't necessarily qualify for reporting to the FDA. But what is promising about this is that it will hopefully spur brands into more diligent and thoughtful record keeping of customer feedback. Yes, even the negative comments. Of course, some brands may already have a system in place to keep track of reactions or issues, or, you know, at least high-quality, thoughtful brands do. But considering how saturated the market is with new companies, there are likely many who haven't been encouraged to do this until now. 
This is a good step by the FDA that puts the consumer's needs first. Okay, another section talks about fragrance. Fragrance is often bemoaned as this must-be-avoided ingredient. Well, eventually you're going to start to see some fragrance ingredient disclosures. Listen, a lot of folks will tell you to avoid anything with fragrance on the ingredient list as it could contain a host of iffy or irritating ingredients. And while, yes, I really do understand where the concern is coming from, I don't believe fragrance is a dirty word. Many brands nowadays create thoughtful, safe ingredients that follow IFRA guidelines. That doesn't mean that potential allergens aren't hiding under the umbrella term, but now under MOCRA allergens, both natural and synthetic, must be disclosed on the ingredient list when they are present in the formula at relevant concentrations. We won't know what the FDA considers to be allergens for the next, like, 18-plus months. However, most folks assume that they're going to follow the EU's lead on this. The EU highlights about 26 known and common allergens that brands are required to put on the inky list, again, if they meet a certain threshold. Most folks assume that the FDA is going to follow something quite similarly. Listen, let's talk about where there is room to grow. Notably, it is around clarity and safety. Going forward, brands will need to provide proof of safety for their products ingredients, like I mentioned earlier, as a part of the regulation progress. But the FDA could and should go further on what they qualify as safe. Here's what Coastline said about this to me. Quote, this is such a huge step in the right direction that many of us are just immensely glad that something is changing. Can more be done? Absolutely. But this is a great start. In the future, it would be great to see maybe clearer testing requirements for each manufactured lot of cosmetics, raw materials, as well as the formula itself. In addition, better definitions of what an, quote, infection, end quote, means, as well as clear regulations on what can and cannot be said on label in terms of claims, end quote. Davis also notes that she would like to see more clarity around how they define safety. Quote, the act asks for safety substantiation, but the definition of safety is quite vague. I would love to see greater accountability in the supply chain. Ingredient suppliers should show how they evaluated a material, its hazard and risk before they sell it to beauty brands to use in products that we use daily over our lifetimes. End quote. Another area where the act could do more is with the ingredients themselves. As most beauty folks know, the EU bans far more ingredients than the US. The EU follows the precautionary principle with ingredients, which means they more eagerly ban ingredients that could potentially be harmful to human or environmental health. Now, while no ingredient bans were made under MOCRA, they are taking steps to investigate some of the more questionable ones. For example, there is now stricter testing on talc, I might add that's a great step. And there is a directive for the FDA to investigate PFAS in cosmetic regulations and provide a report on their safety. But that won't be coming for another three years. In the meantime, you can continue to purchase from brands and retailers who align with your values. As Davis told me, quote, Mokra is a much needed step in the right direction, but we still need to vote with our dollars and support brands that are pushing for more safety and sustainability data, end quote. Overall, long-awaited changes are coming to the beauty industry, both big and small. 
While much of it will be happening behind the scenes, it will hopefully mean beauty brands are more thoughtful and diligent in their formulations and creations. Now we wait and see how urgent these changes are and how thorough the FDA will be in regulating them. As Coastline told me, quote, the biggest takeaway for the consumer is that the FDA is finally paying attention to cosmetics. Almost everyone I have spoken to is glad. These are all welcome changes in the industry, although there is some skepticism with regards to how well the FDA will follow through with these new regulations, end quote. As Davis says, quote, so the beauty industry at large is waiting with bated breath, end quote. If you want to read or share that story, you can find it in the show notes as well as some additional resources for you. Thank you so much for following along this bonus episode of Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at Mind Body Green, you can always read along with our content at mindbodygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.